You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. got new contacts and uh, it helps me see long distance better but up close they're worse so I'm gonna have to go change my prescription and also Mike's just short so I'm gonna try to use my iPad here to preach from and to teach from uh, this morning, I, I just feel so honored to be with you. Uh, I really have enjoyed connecting with Pastor Mike and his family and really feel like it's a divine connection. And just one of the ways the Lord uses me is I often develop good relationships with, with pastors and leaders all over the world. And the Lord sends me on strategic assignments. I'm not a big itinerant preacher. I don't travel everywhere into anyone's ministry. I really feel like I go on specific assignment. And so when I do that, I feel like I go places that are in times of transition, that are in times of uh, shifting and positioning themselves in order for what the Lord's speaking and doing for the next season of the ministry. And I really feel like I have a word from the Lord today for this church concerning uh, some of the shifting that I believe is coming. And it's a time of vision and preparation. Uh, my wife and I are currently ministering uh, for Christ for All Nations, and we're raising up a million intercessors for a billion soul harvest. Our ministry is, see, is seeing over 50,000 people come to the Lord every week. And so we're, we are right now the ministry. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Jesus. I think we just surpassed over 89 million souls since the beginning of when Reinhard Bonnke started the ministry. And so we believe the next decade, the next 10 years is going to bring forth the largest harvest of souls the world has ever seen. And in order to do that, how many of you know we need prayer? We need to birth this movement in prayer. We're raising up hundreds of boot camp students who are being launched into the jungles of Africa to preach the gospel to unreached people groups. And so we're covering them in prayer. And so I want to invite you, if you would like to be a part of this Watchman team, there's a free registration. You just go to danielcalinda.com, click on the intercessor tab, and then you can subscribe to be a part of the million Watchman team that I'll be leading. We will send regular updates via email. We don't send a lot of emails. You're not going to be overwhelmed by them, but we do send specific points for prayer. And we're also going to be doing a streams of fire live stream prayer meeting where you can go online go on YouTube it'll be a YouTube channel and you can literally watch our prayer meetings in Orlando praying for the Crusades and you can join in with us amen so again go to danielclint.com if you'd like to sign up today I really feel like I want to share a word that is it's intense I'll go ahead and tell you it's going to be intense so hold on I hope you brought your Bibles did you bring your Bibles because it's going to be a lot of scriptures so much that I asked them I'm not even going to put it up on the screen so I really want you to get your device 
really want you to get your Bibles out, whatever devices you use, we're going to read a ton of Scripture, okay? You ready? So as you do that, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would release the spirit of revelation through your word. God, that you would bring clarity, that you would give insight and understanding to our hearts, Lord, and that you would confront places where the enemy has sowed seeds of fear and doubt and unbelief, and that we would step into a new season of prophetic revelation. Lord, I ask for the prophetic anointing to be imparted to this house and to this church. Lord, we say that this is a time of new beginnings of the move of the prophetic anointing of the spirit of revelation as we call people back to the place of prayer, as we call people back to the place of intimacy and gazing upon your beauty. Lord, we say yes and amen to what you're saying and what you're doing. We agree with what your spirit is saying today. We ask that you would speak clearly, that you would thunder from heaven, and that it would dissolve and dispel every bit of doubt and unbelief and fear and confusion and anxiety concerning what you're doing in your church in this hour. So Father, we ask that you would help us today. Holy Spirit, come and help us flow in the truth of what you're speaking in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I really see this need in the body of Christ to get ready for what's coming on the earth. Now, there's a lot of different, what we call eschatological perspectives. How many of you know what that word means? It means the study of the end times. There's a lot of different perspectives as to what the end times are going to look like. And I believe the Lord is calling his church to be ready, regardless of where you may stand on the timing of the rapture or the, the timing that the church meets the Lord in the air, which is clear, we will meet the Lord in the air. Regardless of when you think that's going to be in the timeline, the point of both the message and parables of Jesus is be ready. Don't be asleep. Be prepared. Have vision. And my greatest concern right now is the church isn't preparing people what could potentially come on the earth. You would much rather, rather be ready and be surprised that something came sooner than you thought, than for something to not come the way you thought, and it surprise you and you not be ready. And so we, we need to position our hearts and go back to the Word, and I see, especially in the church in the West, the religious spirit will literally choke the prophetic anointing from flowing. Through tradition, through religion, through false prophecy, through dogma, through uh, traditions of doctrine that have been believed for many years, what I see is that it's hindering, it's choking the word of the Lord from coming forth. How many of you know we need prophets? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says that Jesus gave gifts as men to the church. He gave evangelists and pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets until they bring the, the saints, they equip the saints unto a full stature of maturity, even the maturity of Jesus Christ. Did you know that's the greatest miracle that God's gonna pull off in my opinion? I mean, look at the condition of the church today. 
And the Bible says that the Lord has given these gifts to bring the church into such maturity that they're going to look like Jesus. That they're going to look and, and move in unity at a level like we've never seen. How's that going to happen? How is that going to happen? It's going to be one of the most amazing miracles that we have ever seen. Now, God has called me to raise up watchmen. How many of you know what a watchman is? A watchman biblically was, was someone who would watch and stand at the gate or they would go up into a watchtower and they would look to see if someone was coming or visiting or if there was a threat. And in the ancient world of agrarian societies, large watchtowers were placed overlooking the fields. And in the weeks the crops were ripening toward the harvest, men would stand watch guarding the fields from animals or from thieves who would make off with the crops. With the community's basic food stores at stake, the watchman's role was critical to the town's people. We also find several references in scripture to a watcher mounting the city walls in times of stress to survey the scene outside the fortifications. He was situated on a spot from which he could monitor the approaches to the town if a threat appeared. He would sound a warning and the town would shut its gates and pre prepare for battle. We need watchmen on the walls. Isaiah chapter 62 verse 6 says, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, and day and night they will not keep silent. They will keep their watch, and whenever there's a threat coming, they will sound an alarm. They will blow a trumpet. There's also a role of a watchman whenever they would see a king approaching the city, they would do something called a parousia. A parousia is whenever the city would gather together and some of the noblemen in the city would leave the city and meet the king that was coming to visit the city and usher him in and bring him in. Sound familiar? See, when Jesus the king returns, there's going to be a parousia. And the watchmen are going to sound the alarm saying the king is coming. That's the trumpet. And so they will gather the noblemen and they will go out and be gathered with the king as the procession comes into the city. That's what's going to happen when Jesus returns. We're going to meet him in the air and be part of the procession as he comes to the earth. Amen? Come on, somebody. Isn't that amazing? That's what it is. It's a parousia. But we need watchmen to sound the alarm and say, the king is coming. Or we need watchmen to say, prepare for battle. Gather the elders, gather the children. Joel chapter 2, gather the nursing infants. Let the people come before the Lord, fasting, weeping, and mourning, saying, spare your people, O Lord. Prepare your people for what's coming on the earth. We do not want to be shaken. We do not want to be offended at his coming if he comes in a way that we didn't expect. Turn with me to Ezekiel 33 either in your Bibles or in your devices. Ezekiel was called to be a watchman. And in chapter 33, he gives clear details of what this role is supposed to be. And it says in chapter 33, verse 1, 
It says, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, if I bring a sword upon a land and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows on the trumpet and warns the people. Then he who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning. His blood will be on himself. But had he taken warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel, so you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning from me. The church functions in an intercessory role also for the nation of Israel. And that we have an assignment to partner in intercession and prayer for the nation of Israel, to sound an alarm, to bring a warning for what might come upon that land. And we must take our place as watchmen on the wall. We must say yes to this assignment and to proclaim what is coming on the earth and prepare the way of the Lord. In Amos chapter 9 verse 11, it says that in the latter days the Lord is going to rebuild the tabernacle of David and that there's going to be a restoration of a worship and prayer movement that's going to come on the earth. And that's what's happening in IHOP Kansas City for the last 23 years. We have put watchmen on the wall day and night. They have not left their position. They are sounding an alarm. They are beseeching the Lord for his will to come into the earth and to come to Jerusalem and prepare the way of the Lord. This is what God's doing all over the earth. Night and day prayer is covering the earth. It's, it's popping up nationwide. It's popping up globally. Singers and musicians, intercessors are coming together because I believe God is mobilizing one of the greatest, greatest harvests we've ever seen. How many of you say, I want to be a watchman on the wall for my city? I want to be a watchman on the wall for the return of Jesus and prepare the way of the Lord. That's what he's calling and that's what I feel this church is meant to be for this city, even in Owensboro. You know, there could be great trouble on the land, in the land. There could be a great shaking and a great stirring. We find that written in the apostles' teachings and in the epistles. Turn with me. To 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Man, y'all are quiet. I don't hear pages turning. Y'all using phones? First Thessalonians chapter five, very familiar pa passage concerning the day of the Lord. We're gonna read verses one through six. It says, now as to the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness 
that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. How many of you have heard, well, we never know the day nor hour and he's gonna come like a thief and we're not even gonna know it. That is not biblical. He says, you are not in darkness so that it would overtake you as a thief. And in Matthew chapter 24, let's just go ahead and turn there. I don't have time to go real deep into this passage. But I want to show you some of the context of the parables that are spoken just after Jesus' Olivet Discourse concerning the timing of the return of the Son of Man. Now most people are scared to death of this particular chapter. And rightfully so, because it speaks of very intense trouble and shaking and turmoil. But there are three parables that Jesus gives directly after sharing the context of what it's going to be like when he returns. And we need to take notice of these parables because it gives us an understanding of what the church is experiencing during the time of his return, what the church is going to be struggling with at the time of his return. That's what the parables represent. But let's start in chapter 24 and verse 29. Please read this together with me. It says, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and with great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Verse 32, it says, now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near and right at the door. They're saying discern. Know that when these things begin to happen, he is near, he is right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Now that can be confusing because you think, well, wait a minute, we're not part of that generation. But there's a dual fulfillment of prophecy where Jesus is both speaking into the context of those who are listening while at the same time prophetically speaking of his second coming. You need to know that dimension in order to properly interpret these passages. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, but even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man be. in the field then there will be two men in the field 
One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. Now look, the context that Jesus is giving is that it's during the days of Noah and the flood. When the people were swept away or taken away in the time of Noah, that was negative. The ones that stayed were the ones that survived. Now, there's been a certain interpretation of the scripture that says, oh, well, that means we're going to be taken up. No, the passage is saying that those get, that get swept away, that's judgment. The people that get taken in this passage is them dying, not them going up to heaven. The ones that remain are the ones that survive. We have misinterpreted that passage. Now, there may be other passages that could support, you know, an early catching way. I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to debate that today, but I'm saying that passage of Scripture has nothing to do with the rapture. That's a warning of a coming judgment where some will be snatched away in judgment and others will be left to stay on the earth at the return of the king. For the sake of time, I'm just going to quote these and talk about them, but there's another parable that goes on that there was a wicked slave that did not discern the timing of the returning of the master and that wicked slave was given over to torment and, a, and being abused and weeping and gnashing of teeth because he did not discern the timing of the coming of the master. Then it goes on to the, 25, the 10 virgins in Matthew 25, and it says they, there were some who were prepared, and they had oil, and they bought oil because they were ready for what was coming. And then there were some foolish virgins who did not have oil. There's plenty of debate over what the oil represents, but let me tell you what it does represent. Being prepared. Having something in obedience and in a devotion life with Jesus so that when he comes, they would be able to withstand what was coming. Beloved, that's what I'm talking about today. I want a people to be ready. I don't want a people to be deceived. I don't want a people to be offended if he comes in a way that we did not think he was coming. I don't want false doctrine and religion to strangle out the prophetic word of the Lord so that the body of Christ can be blameless and spotless in that day. We need the five-fold ministry gifts as men and women functioning in the church, not just the teacher, not just the pastor, not just the evangelist. We tend to be tribal. We tend to put people in different categories and label them. And then we shut out things and ministries that are different than us because it makes us uncomfortable. We gather around people who we agree with. Beloved, there's going to be diversity. There's going to be differences of opinions. There's going to be differences of gifts. And if you want to be a full New Testament apostolic church, you need to make way for these different gifts and callings and diversity to function. Otherwise, you will not have oil, and you will not discern the times and seasons, and you will not be ready. Amen. I've set watchmen on your wall intercession, prophetic anointing to sound the alarm. The time is near. You can feel it. You can discern it. It's time to prepare the way of the Lord. We need an eternal vision. You know, most people are afraid of eternity. I talked a little bit about this last night, but when they think about the age to come or life after death, you know, a lot of people get scared. They're like, I don't know what it's going to be like. Or, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to be on a cloud just you know, playing a harp and, and just going to be bored after a while. I mean, how long can you sing holy, 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 right? 
I mean, what are we going to be doing? And because there's been a lack of sound doctrine and theology and teaching in the church, everyone has been uh, put into this mentality that it's not going to be fun or it's not going to be good or that, you know, will I even enjoy it? Will I be with my loved ones? People actually battle dread over eternity. And that is because there's been a lack, there's been a deficiency in sound biblical teaching and doctrine. Beloved, it's going to be amazing. You're going to be so fascinated. There's still going to be work. Did you know Jesus is coming to the earth? Jesus is going to rule and reign on the earth. He's going to have a government. He's going to have an administration. And the, the priesthood, the royal priesthood, is going to rule and reign with him on the earth. That means you and I, in resurrected bodies, will help govern the earth and restore the earth back to the way it was in the Garden of Eden. Beloved, we're not just going to heaven to sit on a cloud for the rest of our lives. There's going to be administration. There's going to be work. There's going to be eating. There's going to be drinking. There's going to be stuff to do. The beauty of it is we're going to be filled with the fullness of love. There will be no fear. There will be no oppression. There will be no hierarchical system of authority to make you fear leadership. You know, we have these concerns about these things, but beloved, we shouldn't. We should be excited. We should be looking for and hastening the return of the Lord, which is exactly what Second Peter says. Let's turn there. I don't know about you, I'm absolutely ecstatic. I've spent hours meditating on what it's going to be like. You know, there's 150 chapters in the Bible concerning the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. 150 chapters in the Bible talk specifically about Jesus ruling and reigning on the earth. Most of the body of Christ is completely illiterate concerning them. It's because we have created, oh Lord, am I going to go there? It's this Moses mentality, pastor, you go up the mountain, get the word of the Lord and come back down and share it with us. We have created celebrities, we have created showmen, we have created an entertainment industry in the church, and the people are on a feeding tube. The people aren't going, getting revelation on their own because the temple, a place to encounter Jesus, a place in their home or a church or a facility for people to go in and encounter the presence of God for themselves. Listen, I love to hear good teaching, but most of the stuff that I'm walking in in terms of the knowledge of God are things that I paid a price to study and pray into myself in the secret place. You will not grow if you're only feeding yourself off what another man gets. You don't really get it. I can, I can crank your tractor and get you excited to go study something, but just because you heard it from me doesn't mean you have it now. Personal devotion, personal obedience, having that relationship of intimacy. Having an eternal vision, Second Peter. Chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, and say, Where is the promise of his coming? 
For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape you. Your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with an intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Looking for and hastening the day of the Lord. We need to be looking for, and through our looking, through our discerning, it brings us to a place of prayer, and as we pray, we're asking for righteousness to come on the earth. We're asking for justice to come on the earth. In Luke chapter 18, it talks about a persistent widow who continues to come before the Lord, asking that she get relief from her enemy, from her opposition, and even a wicked judge in that parable says, because this woman will not leave me alone, I will grant her the justice that she asked. Jesus says, observe this parable because I will give you justice in its proper time, but will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? That puts it in context to his return. That means there's going to be fervent intercession through the intercessors, persistent widows asking for justice on the earth as we see the injustice against the unborn, as we see the injustice in, in racism, as we see the injustice of the spirit of religion and taskmasters bringing people into a performance-based religion, as we see injustice to the impoverished, as we see the injustice in a, in a hierarchical structure that is oppressing the people financially and economically. Will we cry out? Will we grab the horns of the altar saying, spare your people, God, bring justice? Jesus says, in that context, will I find faith on the earth? Or will your faith be shaken to where you lose hope and you lose confidence? All because things didn't happen in the time or in the way that you expected them. Come on, we're fast food mentality, Burger King. I want it my way right away. And whenever it doesn't come the way we want it, we start threatening to bail or jump ship. The minute the winds blow and shifts begin to come, we start to question everything and we allow the spirit of accusation to come and steal our joy and get us to question whether or not that's a, a good church or whether or not that's a good pastor or whether or not that's a good ministry or uh, whether or not the Lord is good because he allows certain things to happen to you and the enemy is constantly accusing you night and day, day and night to just give up. Give up, it's not real. Mockers will come saying, where is the promise of his coming? You know, Jesus promised to those who overcome, he will reward them with many gifts. We're called to overcome our warfare. 
When the enemy comes in and you hear those thoughts and accusations against your life or against your marriage, against your children, against your pastor, against your your boss, whatever it is in life, when the accuser of the brethren comes in or that fellow congregation member, you have a choice right then and there to choose righteousness, to choose, choose truth, to choose love, to choose forgiveness, to believe the best. And Jesus says to those who overcome, listen to this, I'm going to go through the seven churches, and what Jesus wrote is a much different context than what we're in right now. Okay, we're not experiencing persecution. Hello? People aren't getting martyred. We actually are living quite comfortably right now, aren't we? And just so you know, Jesus is writing these churches in the midst of severe persecution. But he says, to those who overcome, this is what you will receive. To the church of Ephesus, it says, if you you have ears to hear, then hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church of Ephesus, if you overcome, you will eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. How many of you want to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God? I mean, that's quite a reward, isn't it? To him who overcomes, to the church of Smyrna, will not be hurt by the second death. To the church of Pergamum, to those who overcome, you will be given the hidden manna, a white stone with a new name which no one knows. I want that white stone. I don't know what that is really, but I've heard different stories on it. I don't care. I just want a white stone. I'll put it in my white truck and it'll have my name on it. Nobody will know what that name is. It's a me and Jesus. To the church of Thyatira, to him who overcomes, I'll give authority over the nations and you will rule them with a rod of iron and you will be given the morning star. I mean, imagine that, that we will partner with Jesus and rule and reign over the nations. Is that what you see about your life in the age to come? Is that what you have imagined after you die? And Jesus raises his church from the grave and you receive a resurrected body and you'll be granted these supernatural favors because of the obedience that you walked in when you overcame your trials and testings on the earth. Beloved, this should excite us. Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says, the the comparison between the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Whatever sufferings you're going through, let me tell you, it's not even close to being worthy of being compared to the glory that you're going to enter into. If you hold steady and hold fast. To the church of Sardis, to him who overcomes, you will be clothed in white garments And I will not erase your name from the book of life. And I will confess your name before my Father. Just imagine this. Imagine that you have been brought before the white throne judgment. And your life is being laid out. And as maybe an angel is reading out the deeds or however it's going to work. All of a sudden it gets to your name. And Jesus steps in and says, I confess his name. Father, I confess his name. What kind of honor would that be in that moment that Jesus steps in and says, I confess his name? I don't know about you, that makes me want to overcome my little trials I'm going through right now. 
This should motivate us. The age to come, the vision for eternity should motivate us. To the church of Philadelphia, you will be a pillar in the temple of God and will not go out anymore. And I will write on you the name of my God and the name of my city, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven, and my new name. Jesus is going to have a new name. Jesus has many different names. And if you pass that test, Philadelphia, you'll get his name, his new name written on you. He'll mark you with his new name. To the church of Laodicea, you'll be granted to, to sit with him on his throne, to sit with him on his throne as he also overcame and sat down with his father on his throne. Jesus, the king of the universe, the God-man, the perfect one, you sitting with him on his throne. Beloved, to him who overcomes, to him who passed the test, to him who endures to the end, to him who takes his place, to him who has vision, who walks in love, who forgives his neighbor, to him who endures whatever persecution, accusations, or, or slander, or gossip, or manipulation, or control, or abuse, whatever you have had to endure, whatever form of suffering, whatever form of spiritual warfare you have gone through, if you overcome, this is your inheritance. Beloved, persevere take your stand take your place have a vision don't live in fear don't live in worry don't live in doubt don't let fear grip your life the enemy wants you to live in fear of who Jesus is and what he's going to do and how he's going to come beloved we are not to be a fearful people this is going to be one of the most glorious times in history the return of the king I want to invite you to stand the worship team would come. Another parable Jesus spoke in Matthew 25. It talked about a stewardship element of talents. And to one servant, the master gave him five talents. To another servant, the master gave two talents. To another servant, the master gave one talent. And as you know, the one who got five or the one who got two, they invested it. It produced more money. They were good stewards of what the Lord had given them. But the man who only had one talent, he buried it and hid it in fear. Beloved, you have been given talents. And the reward of someone who's five, who has five talents was the same as the man who received two talents. Jesus is affirming small ministries. He's saying it doesn't matter how big your ministry is or how many gifts that you've been given. Be faithful with what you have and reproduce it. Whether it's in a small group, whether it's leading the women's ministry, whether it's serving on the worship team or the altar ministry or children's ministry, whatever talent or assignment you've been given, if you are obedient to do it, then you're going to receive the same reward as the guy who has five talents. He's affirming smallness and saying, I see it as obedience. I see it as good. I see you as faithful. And you will be rewarded on that day. 
God sees and he knows. Don't be afraid. Don't say I'm insignificant. Don't say I'm disqualified. Don't say that's not for me. When you know there's a calling on your life, you know there's a marking, you know God has set you apart to do something, do it faithfully and when he sees your obedience in that place, he'll give you more. As this church experiences shifting and winds blowing and I believe increase is coming, I believe there's going to be a function of supernatural ministry. I believe it's going to be a beacon. I believe it's going to be a refuge. I believe there's going to be a prophetic anointing and revelation flowing. Guys, right now it's time to prepare. Right now it's time to prepare. And there's choices that need to be made. Is this where I'm going to put my hand to the plow and serve and prepare for that day? And be a community that hosts the presence and the glory of God. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for this house that it would be a place that hosts your glorious presence. That you would be welcome here. God, that your gifts, Holy Spirit, would be freely distributed throughout this congregation and that you would call forth all the various gifts and callings in the body of Christ to come and support and be a New Testament community. We say, come, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. We make room for you in this place. us into partnership to rule and reign with him maybe say you know what I've been in that battle I've been under that accusation I've been struggling with fears I've been struggling with unforgiveness I've been struggling with bitterness I've been struggling with addiction I've been struggling with eternity I've been struggling with whether or not this whole thing is real I've been thinking about leaving the church I've been thinking about leaving my wife and family I've been struggling with all types of addiction and bondages and sicknesses and illnesses and the warfare has been so intense I need a breakthrough I need a revelation I need a fresh touch from the Lord. If that's you, I want you to come forward. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, you'd say, you know what? I need a breakthrough. I need something shifted in my life that I can say yes to the next step in my assignment in God because I want to endure and pass that test. Come on, don't be afraid. Just step out from where you are. We're going to pray for you today. This is a safe place. I take authority over fear right now in Jesus' name. Come all the way to the front, please. I take authority over fear right now in Jesus' name. I take authority over every religious spirit right now in Jesus' name. Every work of performance, every performance mentality in the spirit of religion, I take authority over it right now in Jesus' name. Lord, release the prophetic anointing. Come on, step out from wherever, wherever you are. Come forward. Don't let the enemy hold you in bondage anymore. Just in your own way, begin to talk to him saying, I renounce fear. I renounce shame. I renounce guilt. I renounce performance. I renounce religion. I renounce sickness. I renounce anger. I renounce bitterness. I renounce unforgiveness in Jesus' name. Come on. I know there's more. 
Come, Holy Spirit. All eyes on Him right now. Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. There's some here you say, you know what? When I think about eternity, I feel dread. I don't experience joy when I think of eternity. If that's you, come forward now. Maybe you say, I have, I don't even know if Jesus is real. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe it's time for you to turn to the Lord. You've been living in sin. I want to invite you forward as well. our sins. Lord, we break agreement with the enemy right now. Come on, it's not too late if you feel like you need to be down here. Sometimes you have to step out before the chains break. Look, I'm not looking for a big altar call. This is about you getting right with Jesus. on him. 